What is faith? Some say it's a blind leap into the dark unknown. But Hebrews 11 begins with a biblical definition of faith, which reads, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. In other words, believing is seeing, not the other way around. Known as the Hebrews Hall of Faith, the rest of chapter 11 illustrates a robust belief in unseen things through many profiles of courageous faith. Each summation of the life of faith in Hebrews 11 encourages believers, Jews and Gentiles, to run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, which is a faith truly superior to any blind leap. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hello and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian. Thanks for stopping by. Today, we return to the book of Hebrews, a book known for its beautiful portrait of the supremacy of Jesus Christ. It's also a theological treatise on the subject of faith. You just heard what faith is. Now let's see what faith looks like as Ron continues his series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Visit somethinggoodradio.org anytime to hear Ron's messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where he serves as lead pastor, here's Ron with part two of his message, Hebrews, The Superiority of Jesus. Like Melchizedek, the Levitical priesthood Aaron's priesthood was a shadow. It was a shadow. It was a foreshadowing of the true substance which is found in Jesus Christ. And this is what the writer of Hebrews is trying to unpack for his Jewish audience. All the types and figures and the foreshadowings that we find in the Old Testament, they were just that. They were like training wheels. And one day you take the training wheels off and you ride, right? You don't go back to the training wheels. These were shadows. These were... uh, Uh, pictures of the true substance which is found in Jesus Christ, whom the writer of Hebrews describes as the guarantor, Jesus is, the guarantor of a better covenant. This old covenant was replaced by the new covenant, Uh, not because the old covenant was bad, but because the old covenant had served its purpose, just like training wheels served their purpose. And one day you take them off because now you can ride, all right? And in this case, the old covenant served its purpose as as types and shadows and pictures of what was to come. Now Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all of that and the reality. But these Jewish believers in the first century were having difficulty fully embracing Christianity and leaving Judaism behind. And so they kept sliding back to the old rituals and that they were accustomed with. All right, you still with me? That's a pretty thick section in the book of Hebrews, but it brings us to chapters nine and 10, which I would just label as the superior works of Jesus. The writer goes on to remind his Jewish audience how now the Old Testament tent of meeting, remember the tabernacle? in the Old Testament, that it too served as a foreshadowing of the superior works of Jesus Christ, 
who fulfilled both the moral and the sacrificial uh, aspects of the Mosaic law. Those sacred objects in the tabernacle, remember the bronze laver or the bronze altar and the, and the laver and the holy of holies and all of that. Those sacred objects and the activities of the tabernacle pictured how sinful human beings can enter into the holy presence of God and actually experience an audience uh, with the Almighty. But again, it was all uh, pictures and foreshadowings and shadows. And when Christ came, there was no need for this anymore. He fulfilled all of that. God was doing much more in the wilderness than what even Moses understood at the time. And the writer of Hebrews goes on to explain that through the greater and more perfect tent, referring to Jesus, this tent not made with hands, that is not of this creation, again, separating Jesus from you know, any other category. He says, uh, through the greater and more perfect tent, Jesus entered once again for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing eternal redemption. Uh, this is some pretty important theology here. Uh, the point is this, Jesus voluntarily offered himself as a sinless sacrifice. And the writer says, by a single offering, uh, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. You know, in the Old Testament, they had to offer the blood of bulls and goats over and over and over and over and over again. Annually, they had something called the Day of Atonement, where only the high priest could walk into the Holy of Holies, and he would offer, you know, sacrifice and a blood sacrifice on behalf of the sins of everybody. All of this was a foreshadowing and a, and a picturing of the ultimate reality that would come. And that reality came when John the Baptist looked at Jesus and to his disciples and said, look at him. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's finally here. It took centuries of the, of the shadows and the foreshadowing, now he's here. Let me just pause and just say this to those of you who might have come out of a Roman Catholic background. Because sometimes the book of Hebrews is a helpful guide to those who come out of that and you know, to understanding the difference between Protestantism and Catholicism. You notice in our auditorium, a cross behind me, it's empty. You walk into a Catholic church and the cross has Jesus hanging on it. And the worship service they have called a mass is actually the re-crucifixion of Christ every time. They're, they're, they, they are, through the mass, experiencing the re-crucifixion of Christ. No, he died once. The single sacrifice. And he's not on that cross anymore. He came off the cross, went into the grave, and rose triumphantly from the dead. We don't need to re-crucify him every time. So sometimes, you know, we, we get caught up in the rituals. It's hard to leave that for this, and the rituals confuse what the Bible clearly says. Now, chapter 10 ends with um, <laughs> what some theologians call a lettuce patch. Again, theologians are not comedians, but they love to kind of make us smile a little bit with a turn of phrase. And, uh, the lettuce patch in the book of Hebrews is a series of statements, I think there are 10 or 12 of them, that begin with the words, let us. And they're meant to kind of summarize um, uh, theological truth 
and saying, in light of this, let's do this and let's do that. And there are three of them at the end of chapter 10, beginning in verse 21. Listen to this. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And then here's the third one. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. A little lettuce patch there. Chew on that a little bit and uh, enjoy that part of the book. That brings us to the final section, chapters 11 through 13. Let's just call this the superior walk of faith. And chapter 11 begins with a definition of faith that goes like this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I always love to start a conversation sometimes uh, with, with people and say, well, how, how do you define faith? And usually it sounds something like this. Well, faith is a you know, blind leap into the dark unknown. Really? I, that doesn't sound like faith. It's not biblical faith. It's not a blind leap into the dark unknown. It's a, it's a, it's a leap into the light of truth, if anything. But even that, the writer of Hebrews defines it this way. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. In other words, believing is seeing, not the other way around. Some people say, oh, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, you're going to wait for a long time because the most important things, the, the most real things are the unseen things. I just, just process that a little bit. The, 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 the most real things are not the things you can see, feel, touch, taste, and smell. It's the unseen world. And faith is the assurance, the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction. I know that I know that I know of things that are unseen. And this is how chapter 11 begins, and the whole chapter is known as the Hebrews Hall of Faith. And the rest of the chapter illustrates this kind of faith, a robust belief in unseen things through the many profiles in courageous faith. Various people, some known very well and others not so known from the Old Testament who walked by faith including our friend Abraham, the father of faith. And each summation of the life of faith encourages believers, Jews and Gentiles, to run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, who is the founder and the author and the perfecter of our faith. That's a quick way through chapter 11, all the way through the first three verses of chapter 12. But this is just a magnificent New Testament book, Hebrews is. Still ahead, the rest of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Hebrews, the superiority of Jesus, right here on Something Good Radio. Somethinggoodradio.org is the place to go to hear any of Ron's messages on demand. 
That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, check out the new Something Good Digital Library, where you can search to find answers to your biblical questions from nearly 30 years of Bronze Bible Teaching Ministry. You can stream for free and on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. Something Good exists only through the faithful prayer and financial support of friends like you. As you give today, we'll say thank you by giving you access to a new resource that goes along with this current series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. It's an ebook from Dr. Ron Jones that covers the general epistles and the book of Revelation. Request it today for your gift to Something Good Radio. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org, that's somethinggoodradio.org, or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. And now let's get back to Ron as he shares the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, Hebrews, the superiority of Jesus. And the way the writer kind of lands the plane, uh, well, he, he offers some practical ways to experience and live out this superior walk of faith uh, with this one named Jesus who is superior to all. Starts with all these profiles of courageous faith that are inspiring and encouraging to us. But then he also includes an encouragement to endure the discipline of the Lord, who if you're a child of God, he's your heavenly father. And no, you're never under the judgment of God as a child of God, you're never under his condemnation. Um, There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 1 says. But as our heavenly father, sometimes he has to discipline his kids like any loving father does to his kids. An undisciplined, Child um, might mean you're not a child of God if he never disciplines you. But the writer of Hebrews takes us there and he, he encourages us to endure the discipline of the Lord and not grow weary or faint-hearted. He says, strive for peace, holiness, and grace. He says, avoid bitterness. You know, if a root of bitterness has landed in your heart and has been there for years and it's, it's growing deep, deep roots and wrapping itself around your heart and your mind. Boy, read, uh, read these verses in Hebrews chapter 12. Avoid bitterness, he says, and avoid sexual immorality. And then he says, live, I love this, live for the kingdom that cannot be shaken. How many of you feel like you're living in a world that's just getting shaken at the, at the foundations? You know, the stock market gets a little bit crazy and you feel, you know, shaken. Or, you know, there's a war or rumor of war over here. Or there's political unrest or the threat of some riot in the streets because of some Supreme Court decision. We just feel, it feels like we live in a shaky world, doesn't it? Well, as believers in Jesus Christ, our, our kingdom is not of this world. And we serve and, and live in our citizens of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So why are you shaking in your boots, child of God? No reason for that. Chapter 13 begins with some instructions about continuing in brotherly love, remembering prisoners, practical things here, honoring marriage, which is God's idea. He came up with the concept and he gets to define it alone. Keeping our lives free from the love of money, the writer says. Obeying spiritual leaders, especially those who spoke to you the word of God. And then the chapter and this uh, book end with one of the most beautiful benedictions, a doxology 
In chapter 13, verses 20 to 21, I'm trying to land my plane quickly here, but go there and read it this week as part of your just personal devotions. Uh, chapter 13, verse 20 and 21, and then that's followed by some, uh, some final greetings. The book of Hebrews. The superiority of Jesus Christ. Now, none of what we read in the book of Hebrews should ever create in us a superiority complex. In fact, if anything, it should humble us before the only one who would ever be called superior. And Hebrews should leave us with the distinct impression that Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone is superior. He is without comparison and he is worthy of our earnest pursuit. Don't worship the prophets of old or some new prophet who has some new idea that enamors you. Don't worship an angel, come on now. Don't worship Moses or Joshua. Or don't become so enamored with your religious tradition that seems to be out of step with the truth of Christianity. Worship Jesus Christ. Don't just respect him. There are a lot of people who have respect for this uh, Jesus of Nazareth. Most of the major religions of the world say respectful things about him. But that falls short of how we should respond to the only one who is superior, truly superior, as the writer of Hebrews uh, introduces for us or to us. And if you have any doubts about that, I, I, I just challenge you to consider Jesus. Um, honestly, without bias, uh, without you know, uh, picking up what somebody else said about him because they heard somebody else said this about him and you, you know how that goes. Study him for yourself. And start with the scriptures that are living and active and let that uh, psychoanalyze your thoughts. Believe me, it will, and it does. The word of God is that way. And you respond to uh, the written word of God and even the way God has revealed himself in creation and our conscience. I guarantee you the living word of God, the living logos, who is this superior Jesus, will show up on your front doorstep and he will be so compelling to you that you have no other response other than to say yes to him and to receive him as your savior and to live for him as a citizen of this unshakable kingdom called the kingdom of God. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for bringing us into a relationship with yourself through the superior person of Jesus. And because of his uh, superior works on the cross, I thank you that he came down from that cross and they buried him in the ground. He was there long enough to make sure he was dead, but he rose again triumphantly from the grave. And that puts him in a category all to himself. And it's why we come at this time to worship him. Father, I pray for anybody who for them at this time, at this moment, 
is a day of salvation, a moment of salvation, where through the ministry of your Holy Spirit, uh, you, you bring to light an understanding of who Jesus is. But it doesn't just sit in our mind, in our intellect, but it gives birth to real, genuine, saving faith. Faith alone in Christ alone, who alone can deliver his grace to us and forgive us of our sins and free us from the entanglements and the power of sin. I, I pray today, Father, for somebody who would just in the quietness of their own heart say yes. Give them the faith to believe. We believe you're sovereign enough to do that. But Lord, I just uh, pray for that today. I, I pray that this um, message would also strengthen the body of Christ in this place and make us grow up and be more mature in Christ and be more like him and have every, every reason we need to uh, worship him in every thought, in every moment, in every expression of our lives. And I pray this in, in the powerful and risen name of Jesus, the name that is above all names, the superior one. Amen. Thanks so much for being with us for today's Something Good radio message, Hebrews, The Superiority of Jesus. And Dr. Ron Jones joins me in the studio. Ron, as today's message title suggests, the book of Hebrews directs much of its attention to the superiority of Jesus Christ. It also places heavy emphasis on our faith in Christ. It also places heavy emphasis on our faith in Christ. But faith is not limited to a theological idea or intellectual assent, is it? No, Brian, I would say faith in Jesus Christ certainly isn't limited to believing facts about Christianity or to giving some intellectual assent to the Christian faith or to the life of Jesus Christ. As we see in Hebrews, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. But that's a starting point for what comes later, which hopefully results in this inner faith manifesting itself in outward behavior. Here's what we find in Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm paraphrasing here. By faith, Abel offered God a sacrifice. By faith, Noah built an ark. By faith, Abraham got up and followed God without knowing where he was going. Now, for each of these and countless others in the Bible, faith resulted in action. Not to earn our salvation, but because we have salvation already. Once we have fully believed and placed our faith in Christ as the only means by which anyone can be saved, once we acknowledge his superiority, which includes his sacrifice on our behalf, our eternal destination is secure. But while we're on earth, Brian, while we're being sanctified day by day and being made more like Jesus, more into his image, well, there should be a manifestation of our faith that helps others see the power of Jesus Christ in our lives. And that's what these men and women in the Hebrews Hall of Faith did, and that's what we should be doing as well. Because it is in worshiping Jesus through our works and our words that we can help others find the salvation we already have. That's Dr. Ron Jones and some final thoughts on the relationship between faith and works. Well, as usual, Ron, the clock is winding down. So tell us what's coming our way tomorrow when you continue your teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. 
Brian, the past two days here in Hebrews is the perfect setup for what comes next, the book of James. Now, when you get right down to it, James is basically a how-to book on uh, living the Christian life. How do I do it? What does it look like? How do I take all these ingredients, faith, hope, and love? Uh, How do I put on the spiritual armor and belief in the person and work of Jesus Christ? And on and on down the line we go. How do we make it all work together? Now, before we embark on this uh, two-day journey, there's one key point we should keep in mind. It is by grace through faith that you begin your walk with Christ, and it is by grace through faith that you grow in your walk with Christ. Christianity is rooted in faith, in belief. It begins in the mind, but it shouldn't end there. We prove what we believe by what we do, and that's the whole point of the book of James. That's what the book of James is all about. And that's where we're taking you next time to the book of James when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, James, Your Faith in Action. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.